Hey everybody, the con artist here, back for podcast number five of the summertime. All right, so uh, spoiler warning, as with all of our podcasts, there are going to be spoilers for the episodes that we talk about. So if you're super sensitive to spoilers, you may want to save this podcast for another time. All right, so Dan, tell us about the Vatican miracle worker baby Hitler's Trinity blood Jackie Chan adventures with that priest that didn't die, also snake cults. Man, uh, it's a good summary. Well, other than I pay attention, Dad. I pay attention. This is true, but uh, weirdly enough, that uh, priest that wasn't dead totally came back in the most recent arc. Um, Uh, We're dealing with. Well, thank goodness for that. We're dealing with episodes uh, nine through eleven here, and so after returning from Africa, I think like two weeks later, the timeline says. Uh, our priests are sent off to some podunk town in northern Italy, and hmm. there they're trying to examine this miracle. There's like a there's like a double whammy of miracles, like one as of the, always. Like a, a statue, a statue of Christ is like changing color, like from the normal bronze to start look. All of a sudden, it looks. Is like, it? Is it Jesus in the Technicolor dream coat? <laughs> I'll get to that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. Anyway, uh, so it's changing color from, like, it's normal metallic uh, sheen to looking like, you know, it's alive almost. And everybody who's in this hears, in this chapel, hears the sound of a horn at the same time every day. And after that, like, this, this rainbow of scintillating colors that is different for every person, they noted, and never appears on camera, shows up. So... Man, oh man, like... That's a lot of miracles. Technicolor dream code. That's a lot of miracles, yes. But here's where... Here's what it's all tied to. It turns out that that priest, the ancient dynasty that he belongs to, had had a uh, gold mine underneath this town and has been keeping a slave cast of albinos in the mines to this day... Um, because now that the mines are dry, they're using it for some kind of counterfeiting operation. And because the counterfeit bills have been appearing in America, uh, that CIA agent from Africa is now here helping them out. And they're investigating, like, a bunch of murders that happened several years ago. And of course. It's, it's all... Dan, you continue to make just pure nonsense comes out of your mouth. Like, this is like a Rube Goldberg show. Give it a moment. It's just... Give it a moment. No, 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 no. Really, the machine gets more complicated. It does, especially because uh, apparently there is, they, as a cover, they use the local legend of a like of a jester-style clown with a giant scythe that decapitates people to get to uh, close to where they're uh, performing this operation. So it turns out that the sound of the horn was basically them opening up the gates to this uh, underground lair and letting out their trucks filled with all of the counterfeit currency every morning or every, like, whatever time this is supposed to happen. Uh, So kind of surprised that nobody made that connection elsewhere because those trucks have got to get onto a road somehow. Then uh, the, the statue of Jesus was painted with some kind of heat-reactive paint by the local priest who was not actually connected to this cult, uh, but had his own bizarre uh, craziness happen. By the way, he died by freezing to death after falling out of an airplane. Um, 
As one does. <laughs> because As one because does. that's the cause of death. Yes. Uh, the airplane fall was fine. Uh, God, so many mysteries on top of mysteries. But then it turned... So he had done that to try and, like, fake people out uh, about some other miracle. And in the end, it turns out that those scintillating colors, cocaine. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my for gosh, everybody. That's the best explanation ever. That's like a Potter Puppet Pals explanation. <laughs> that, <man>. that, that's <laughs> perfect. I found the source of the ticking. It's a pipe bomb. I found the source of the Jesus. It's cocaine. <laughs> in this case, yes, because, like, the guy had, hit, the guy had helped uh, someone hide... Uh, cocaine in the like the basement of the church at one point and it is now like there's just a fine mist of it throughout the building like forever as far as we can tell so everyone's getting a little high and seeing these crazy colors because that's what happens every uh every morning mass oh man all right i'm leaving so much out but i do not have the time so um, let's move on from that craziness to someone else's craziness. Well, you know what? I'll take it down a notch with the restaurant to another world. Oh, well, which, thank uh, you. You know, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did they serve cocaine at the in restaurant? any of their dishes? You yeah. know, so far he's not felt that like his food is so good. He doesn't feel the need to add a little uh, extra confidence uh, unless he <laughs> is just <laughs> off camera. Who knows? Uh, but let's see. So we've recovered. Holy wow. Yeah. Covering episodes 11 and 12, uh, let's see. Relatively simple as always. In 11, a harpy brother and sister find the door and come on through and then have sushi because they want raw fish. And they're like, who can make raw fish but us? Uh, who likes raw fish but us? And he's like, oh, I got you covered. Uh, so they're very impressed with sushi. And then uh, for the first time ever, like something from the other world uses its magical effects on the restaurant owner because they're just sort of idly start singing while they find it. There's like a piano in the bar or something. Uh, and they all the proprietor, all the, the restaurant guy, just sort of falls into a trance. But thankfully, their b- black dragon protector like snaps him out of it and tells the pair to cut that out, kids. Like you can't you can't sing your your siren song in the restaurant. It's bad for everyone. But she doesn't accidentally kill them with her kill everything powers. No, she's still in like human form, but she makes it pretty clear. She's like, don't ever do that again. It's going to be bad for you. <laughs> uh, and then everyone gets to enjoy curry croquettes, uh, or croquet, or however you say that. Uh, which someone had given him. And so, and, and uh, because the black dragon's favorite food is curry, she's like, these are pretty good. Not as good as chicken curry, but pretty good. Uh, and then episode 12 is, they like to tell the story. Oh, of the four... wait, so someone's mind wasn't blown. Uh, she's like, I mean, pretty good. Yeah. These like, she's like, these are good, but my chicken curry, which she already had her mind blown by are better. And most people in the restaurant that come to the restaurant are like that. They're like, my chosen food is the best food. Other foods are good. But they're not mine. Oh, okay. I missed that part where she was trying someone else's. I was just like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Everything in the restaurant is supposed to blow your mind. I'm disappointed. Yeah, right? Uh, and then uh, the so episode 12, they tell the story of the four great heroes of the fantasy universe that, like, took out the evil demon forces or whatever. Uh, and now they're, like, one of them's an elf who's immortal, and the rest are all sort of aging humans. And he shows up, and he's like, hey, aging dude, I want to go eat at this restaurant I've been hearing about. Uh, so they take him there, and it turns out to be meat day. Which is what everyone calls the day. Like, apparently, there's meat on sale in Japan, like, once a month, wherever he's located. And on that day, he replaces the free miso soup with pork soup. So everyone really enjoys the pork soup, uh, which is sort of the flavor of the episode. Uh, And so as the show as a whole, I think that's what's nice is we've got a pretty full roster of characters at this point. The Harpies being the most recent addition. 
And we're kind of rolling towards the end of the show, obviously. So we're, we're really just getting time to see all the characters interacting with each other or uh, like sort of trying out different food or whatever, instead of focusing entirely on a new character trying a new food every episode. So like the prince of the Western continent keeps trying to work up the courage to talk to the princess of the Eastern continent and people argue and we're learning a little more about all the characters and the restaurant owner himself. So that's all kind of fun. Uh, definitely like just a whatever relaxing watch in general all the time. It's a nice change of pace. It is. I mean, there's, there's no craziness or conspiracies. And if there are those things, they're in the fantasy world and it doesn't really carry over. It's a really unique kind of show. You know, normally shows have a, a means to an end. This one really just kind of has a means to make you chill out. Make you chill out, enjoy some food, kind of enjoy watching characters either enjoy food or meet each other uh, because of the restaurant. So, good stuff. Nice. That's all I've got. So, uh, who wants to go next? I think we need more crazy. So, who wants to hear what's happening on Simpho Gear, yo? <gasps> Well, Everyone wants to hear what's happening. Of course we do. Of course you do. Okay, so uh, I'll be talking about Simple Gear episodes 8 through 10. All right, so here's the lowdown. The baddies, the Pavarian Illuminati, are trying to build some sort of altar that, like, speaks to the stars or something. It lets them obtain something called the Divine Power, and I guess that's what'll help them seize the lunar ruins. Sure, great, good. Just follow <laughs> me down. That's a lot of terms. That's a lot, a lot of, of terms. terms, and that's Simpho gear, guys. There's a lot of terms that don't make sense, so just roll with it. Um, when we last left off, Adam was like, mm, "We need more energy, like people energy, to make the the altar have all the energy that it needs to start collecting the divine power and open up." So uh, we haven't killed enough people. You should kill off one of your companions. Dun, so dun, dun. I don't know if I've, I've really mentioned this thus far, but I think we did. But basically, there's like Saint, there's Saint Germain, there's Cagliostro, and there's uh, Prelati, and they're all like, you know, they're all men in real history, but they're now they're women, and they have something called the perfect body. I have no idea where they got these. I have no idea where it comes from. The show has no desire to explain it to you. It just kind of goes they have, like, alchemy. Bodies. <laughs> Exactly. They just wave hands, but their bodies are made of a lot of energy. So Adam is like, hey, St. Germain, kill off one of your companions and then the altar will be filled. And she's like, no, no, I have morals too. So the, uh, the show is now moving on two wavelengths. One, I think it very rapidly realizes it's almost over. It's like, oh, dang, <laughs> we got three episodes to go. We better like crush this plot into like tiny space so they totally found the little rock thing that fell off hibiki in season two by the way i wrote this in the write-up for last time my pride is on the line but i totally blew it it was season two that she <sighs> crystallizes and nearly dies so they found that piece like rapid fire beginning of episode like eight and then the they fixed the info gear and now the show is focusing on two angles one is that um they're starting to mix the Symphogear users in unique ways. So this new stone and their new Symphogear forces them to synchronize. And that's where, like, like um, Shirabe and Kirika, they have to sing a special song together. Oh my that's goodness, in we got unison. more duets? 
Yes! So there's yes. more duets and like really unique duets. So there's Maria and Chris singing together. There's Subasa and Shirabe singing together who work surprisingly well. Huh. Um, and there's actually a little bit of character growth for each one. Like Shirabe has social anxiety. So her trying, she's the one who has the hardest time working with everyone. So she's struggling and there's a little mini arc about it. Kirika is like super naive and wants everyone to have fun. So she gets like a, a mini arc, which ends on a cliffhanger and... They're, they're mix and matching, and Chris, Chris gets her moment, yo. Her backstory it's is finally four seasons. Her, her past is finally done, and, and she can stop being a tragic figure in the end song. Like, we're done with her nonsense. She has hopefully put the past behind her, and everything's great. Oh, so we're getting, goodness. like, cool new cool new songs and, and all that stuff, and we're mix and matching the characters, uh, fighting in pairs, and we get neat cutaway shots, those, like, comic book-style attacks. It's all super cool. Um, the other thing that we're tackling is that, like I said, the baddies plot has just collapsed completely. So the other two characters, Prelati and Cagliostro, they just die. Like they kill them off Whoops. in order to teach you that these other two, these pairs of Symphogear users are working together well. And they leave just St. Germain, who's like, well, I guess I'll join your side now. So like magically in F10, she's like, all right, I guess I'm a good guy now. Hibiki, you and I, I guess, are seeing on the same plane or something. And, oh, does, look, Adam's super evil. Does does Hibiki offer her her hand? Damn right she does, yeah. Scott, because she holds hands. So they hold hands, and she's like, I guess we're all on the same team now. Does oh, look, anyone, Adam's evil. Does anyone bring up the fact that, you know, I think she just switched sides because her teammates got murdered. Probably, and also she's murdered it- something like 78 thousand something people I was just she, gonna she ask counts them she counts them because she claims it's her atoning for her sins to open the gate to open the altar just keeping She's, tally isn't 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 atonement that's what serial killers do it's, dan well, if you're on f10 of your show and you didn't explain your backstory properly that's atonement okay? i mean dan it's it's more of like a like a trays feel like these are the people that had to die for my my uh yeah that's a good way of phrasing it like yeah this is what had to happen so that we could Mm. obtain divine power and free mankind from the curse of balal whatever that is yeah whatever whatever the shiggity shack that is from season one so that's where we are guys the show continues to be wild and nuts the highlight is definitely that some lesser characters are getting some development surprisingly enough b team b team team neapolitan the (laughs) downside of course is that uh, it's all happening way too fast. Once again, the show was not even remotely plotted properly. And no, I don't know that it's an argument that whether it's more or less of a hot mess than season three, uh, you can mm. you can fight about that as you as you think about our podcast. OK, I'm firmly but guys, in, in it's the, this still the show better. of the season. It's show still the, the show season. of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still the show of the season. I don't care what you guys are watching. It's still the show of the season. Definitely watch it. Sure. highly recommended I'll, I'll recommend it too but wow it's nonsense yeah pure pure nonsense holy crackers all right who we got next brendan how are the centaurs and the fascism um brendan don't say anything even remotely stereotypical the cat police are like literally sitting outside your apartment with guns <laughs> right now oh that's gonna be trouble are they hot cat fleas? 
Knowing this show, Brennan's probably now. <laughs> Actually, wait, yeah, knowing this show, Brennan, like bad news, they are, but they're Yuri. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's been a few of those couples on here. Probably more than any other uh, other ones. Um, yeah, so I got caught up finally. I watched episodes eight through eleven over the past nice. two weeks, and. Wow. Like, wow. Uh, wow is right. Um, Has the show gone full on fascism now? Is everyone not, under arrest? Not, no, no, no. It's, um, not yet. At least it's so much weirder than that. So, um, gosh, in, uh, in episode eight, I want to say like they, uh, they start off the second half of the episode. I think it is with, uh, um, they go to the like the waterlogged area that the mer people live in, and they don't wear shirts, and uh, you know amongst themselves. So there was a lot of Blu-ray uh light beams happening, or you know the the kind of light beams that won't be there on the Blu-ray. Let's like you know. censorship beams. Convenient yeah. editing, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, not even that. Uh, convenient editing would be like the save the children beams. The save well, the children beam. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But, um, like, and they, like, they actually use that to have a, a brief meditation on the nature of eroticism. Uh, if I can, if that's the right term for it. No, that seems like, right. Like, I'll, I'll back you up on that. That's kind of what they're going for. Because there's, like, the, uh, you know, mer dudes in high school, like, have, you know, interesting opinions on, like, boobs, depending on who has them. Or, like, how they, how those people feel about it. Like, it got, um what's uh what's the word i'm looking for wait backtrack like depending on who has them do some some of the male mermen have? no 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 it's it's more like like the since the mer mer female people like go around without shirts all the time like it's not as like um it's not Sal- like it's not salacious at all for them basically oh okay right, yeah it's like one of those because the streets of, are paved with gold thing right because land people like wear shirts and you know swimsuit tops and whatever uh like being able to see what's behind the curtain is is really the the thrill. Oh, okay, okay. I guess, and then it, like it it transitioned from like it it like there was a, a character going by who I guess was like raised by land people, and so she still felt embarrassed by having her you know uh her top off, I guess. And there was, and that and that's also a reaction. Anyway, that character that we follow to a. Uh, like a religious ceremony that they do and like they go out to the she and this other like older sort of priest dude go out to this island and start and she starts singing this is sort of like an audience event like people are watching this this yeah people are watching from the shore there's a little uh like atoll kind of thing a little bit of a ways out maybe not even within sight uh and like in the center of it is this submerged statue of this big round fish-like critter dude i guess Oh, dang it, Brendan. I thought you were going to say there was a big statue of Technicolor Jesus. Oh, we were yeah. almost going to wrap around. Cristo Red and Tor, but like for the, the monster people. <laughs> uh, and then this like big round fish looking like giant animate critter like pops out of the water and is like, yo, like I'm your god. And the girl is like, um, and the priest is like, run. <laughs> Run as fast as you can. Don't look back. Or, sw- like, swim, really, because they're they're in the water. But 
Is this like a King Kong scenario? Not really. They You're... worship some kind of giant man-eating fish? No, even the priest is like, that is not our god. Our god is the rock. That's like, as you can else. see, which is still there. Huh. And then in, uh, it goes on to imply that a uh, at least a faction of the Antarcticans are intentionally attempting to, like, if they're testing, I think, at the very least, uh, the other cultures to see, like, what they can get away with as far as impersonating deities. And this gets brought, uh, like, it gets further done up in the next episode where, oh my gosh, like, there's so much complexity to this show. Like, we introduce this frog dude and amphibian people are essentially the analogs of uh, aboriginal tribes or, like, uh, people in in deep Africa or that uh, haven't, like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Had a lot of uh, infrastructure built for themselves. Like they haven't really had contact with like you know, whatever European style civilization, and that isn't really their deal. But we t- we tend to overrun them, and that's happening here. Hmm. Yeah, sort of. So like this this one frog who was sort of like found by you know mammalian people and raised into a rather intelligent uh, dude, like takes a trip back to his homeland, and he's like so. Guys, what what what's going on here? And uh, he makes uh, the other guys talk about how their god is prepping them for war, basically. Um. Oh dear. Like with 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 legit, uh, legitimate like equipment. So. Well, that sounds bad. Definitely the implication dangerous. that the uh, the Antarcticans are are intentionally attempting to destabilize. Uh, other civilizations on on their world. It's the damn Illuminati lizard people from the center of the earth. Damn, if only was they right. had seized the lunar ruins, everything would be fixed, Brendan. You could solve all conflict. And then... And then, here we go. So, like, d- during the course of that episode, like, the frog dude met up with, uh, you know, as part of his... Like, he's, a, he's kind of a celebrity, sort of. Like, he meets up with some important businessman. He's like the bridge between like the people in the whatever, like the tribal regions and the people of the, the developed world, like sort of the liaison between them. Right. And he's like, so he goes to meet this dude and he's, you know, he's all done up in this suit, which his people back home give him a little shit for. Uh, but he, he goes to shake this businessman's hand and the businessman is like, you know, you, you should you shouldn't be wearing a glove right now. And the, guy, the frog dude's like, yeah. All right, and then you know, and he's got like an amphibian hand, right? And then like the end of the episode, or the end of that you know scene was uh, the guy, the the businessman guy's like uh, a retainer offering him something to wipe his hand off with, and he's like, "You have much to learn." And the entire second half of that episode is spent in this guy's backstory, like the not the retainer, the guy who shook the hand, like the businessman. Right the business backstory who survived the uh the uh, like the centaur's life version of the holocaust oh my gosh and uh wow so the show went there eh oh it totally went there the weird part is i couldn't figure out exactly how the racial discrimination aspect factored into it i like because they they made a big deal about like the the leader of the like the boss of the camp that the guy the the guy and a bunch of the other people were uh you know concentrated in 
being a centaur and one of the other like prisoners being a centaur and like being in in good with the uh the, the people who run the place but like it didn't look like any of the other uh like nazis were centaurs like we saw a couple of them in the background and i, I thought they were regular bipeds and uh well, like, you know, the, the liberating army is also has centaurs in it. Like, it's almost like the point they're trying to make is, hey, in this world, like, it wasn't about discrimination based on race. It was based on something else. Like, there's that prisoner guy who's like, it won't matter what, what distinctions you eliminate. There will always be enough distinctions for people to hate each other. So they're right. intentionally well, not making an analog with the races of this world to drive but home they that point. Well, but the, well, that would be a little well, much. I, I thought I thought they were to, like, get to that point, though. Like, the... Uh, the uh, several of the other angry prisoners were like getting up on the sky because they thought that he was in with the the lead guard because they were both centaurs, right? Because this particular brand of like they have like this really efficient. Hey, everyone based on their body type gets a certain amount of food, and the centaurs get more. And all the other prisoners are like, we resent that guy for getting more food. We think he's in good with the prisoner, like the the guards, which is I guess not the case. But I don't know. Right, they're, like... they're certainly driving home some points. Quite complicated, quite complex. And then the episode after that was uh, a bunch of the characters following one of their friends on a date. Like you do. Oh, well, okay. Sure. Yeah. We'll just, <laughs> just drop in like pseudo Holocaust episode and then be like, well, um. Hats on, everybody. It's disguise let's time. Let's go on a date. It's like that Simple Gear episode. Uh, right. The well, world is thing burning. Was like... Let's go on a date. Like, these two, like, episodes eight and nine basically don't feature the characters we've been following up to this point at all. Like, they're, they're like, side characters in one part of the frog story, basically. And right. almost nowhere else. So it's sort of like, hey, here's some more stuff about the world, but we wouldn't want to leave our main characters, like, alone for too long. So, I don't know what, like, they just had a point they wanted to make, I guess. Hmm. Holy cow. Now, hold on, hold on. This, like, discrimination police... Does this exist everywhere? This like pseudo fascism, or is that just we don't like, really see any of the other cultures version of like, Japan? It's implied like, what does Antarctica that have Antarcticans. That's yeah, pretty. They, oh yes, but Antarctica like, do they have their own version? Uh, oh, okay. And, and they're all is like, there any other place that's not also, like, homogenous that has this kind of policing? We don't know. I mean, there's there's implications early in the show that many other cultures like have sort of collapsed. Maybe like occasionally, like state society is in general not stable in this world, and so the imposition of this sort of fascist anti-discrimination regime is relatively recent to Japan. Wow! And so okay. like there, there's like society is basically being held together kind of by force, kind of by this. We need to instruct the youth that the races aren't really different, or that discrimination is illegal, or whatever. I but love the to- sign in the back of the classroom that. Like that flat out says everyone is entitled to equal protection under the law. Wow. Right, they have to really Except they write one of the, the cues as P's because Yeah, English. <laughs> but uh Wow, okay. Talked about that for a while. I guess I might as well say right now, um I only got caught one episode of Surrey Zuri Children <laughs> over the past like three that have dropped since the last one. Um so I failed you, Sue, but in my defense, I hooked up my new computer and I've been playing a lot of League of Legends, which is having a magical girl event. All right, that's, you're forgiven just for fair. that then, because otherwise I was going to put you on the spot. You were supposed to know your favorite couples. Gosh, oh. Brendan. You're right. 
Okay, yeah, well, that was um super heavy. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's go on a date, and we'll tune in next time to talk okay. about the other half of what we're watching on 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 summer so that uh which hopefully isn't as like intense as what brendan's watching holy crackers keep our fingers crossed yeah man i wasn't expecting that at all it was like nonsense relaxing nonsense fascism government and pseudo holocaust with animal people okay <laughs> yep well then till next time everyone later later this is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.